Good evening. Good evening. <clears throat> Let's try that again. Good evening. Good Friday is the morning before celebration. Today we memorialize a, a funeral. Someone died. Jesus the Christ was brought before Pilate to be judged based on crimes against the empire. So this is the tone of Good Friday. It was long, full of sorrow. So before we proceed, let us meditate, <clears throat> let us reflect, let us be quiet as we go over this historical narrative of this good day. So I know this is not going to be easy for some, but do, do not rush as you read through this. Think of Christ and his dedication to you that led him to the cross. So take a few moments to still your heart before you walk through this. Ask yourself the question, why are you here? In God's dark providence, he thought it good to crush his son, the Messiah. We are here because we are like Peter. <clears throat> Jesus tells Peter that he will disown him three times. Peter rebukes God in the flesh and says, even I, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Peter was humble in his denial. So as you come this evening, empty yourself of pride. Ask God to do so. As you reflect Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way and lead me in the way everlasting. So from Genesis all the way to the cross, God's people <clears throat> have regularly denied the lordship of Jesus. God's people have asked for kings, have worshipped idols, have built Babylons. We want to be God of our own lives. For this reason, Christ died. He made a covenant with his people in Genesis, and he submitted himself for his family. So let us think much, let us meditate much, let us be quiet much tonight. So please pray with me. Merciful God, you gave your son to suffer the shame of the cross. Will save us from the hardness of heart that seeing him who died for us, we may repent. That we would confess our sin. 
that, Lord, we would receive your overflowing love. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we have the last several Good Fridays, a significant part of what we will do tonight is work our way through that night by having different people come and read Scripture. And as they do that, as they read seven different people, I want us thinking about the events of that night. And when we leave here, I want us to feel the weight of what they would have felt. We know Sunday's coming, but in that moment, they didn't know that. But before we get to that, we want to take the Lord's Supper together as a church family because on that night, 
prior to Jesus' arrest, Jesus did, in fact, talk to his disciples about this. In Matthew 26, 26 through 29, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all report the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples the night before he died. Each describes Jesus giving thanks or blessing the bread and the cup and giving them to his disciples, saying that the bread is his body and the cup is the new covenant in his blood. In Luke twenty-two nineteen, 19, Jesus says, Do this in remembrance of me. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, Paul refers to an event in the life of the church called the Lord's Supper. In a few minutes, we'll partake of the Lord's Supper together. But I want to ask the question before we do that. What exactly are we doing when we eat of the bread and drink of the cup? That was Jesus established more than 2,000 years ago. That he has given to the church. That we are to continue to do. What do we do every time we eat and drink? Five things. We'll go through these quickly. That I want us to think about before we eat and drink tonight. Number one. We remember and proclaim. It's the very reason that we're here tonight, is it not? We're looking back. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four and 25, we read, Do this in remembrance of me. Tonight, we'll do a physical act of eating and drinking. But as we do that, we are to do a mental act of remembering. What are we to remember? Well, in verse 26, Paul writes, You proclaim the Lord's death. The Lord's Supper preaches the death of Christ. Jesus lived. He died publicly on a Roman cross in the place of sinners so that anyone who believes on him might be rescued from the wrath of God. Jesus poured out his blood and offered his body for us all. So tonight, when you eat and when you drink, you are remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. So we remember. Secondly, we participate. We participate in 1 Corinthians 10, 16. We read the cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? As we eat the bread and drink from the cup, we are reminded that we have participated in his death. How so? Well, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We have died with Christ. Therefore, we are participants with him in his death. We have been raised with Christ. We are participants with him in his resurrection. Tonight, you participate. In just a few minutes, each of you will see, you will touch, and you will taste the bread and the cup. 
And tonight, as you see the bread and the cup, as certainly as you can see it in your hands, you and I can certainly know that God loves us through Jesus Christ. Tonight, you will touch the bread. You will touch the cup. And as certainly as you are touching it, you can also say with certainty that Christ died for you. Tonight, you will chew the bread. And you will swallow the drink. And just as you will certainly do that, you can certainly say that Christ will nourish, refresh, and strengthen you. We can say with certainty tonight that Jesus, through his death and, yes, his resurrection, has obtained for us peace with God, joy in Christ, hope for the future, freedom from fear, victory in temptation. So as you eat and drink, we are reminded and we participate. Third, we come together. Five times in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul speaks of the church coming together when the Lord's Supper is eaten. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. In 11.18, we notice that Jesus gave the ordinance of the Lord's Supper to the church. I think Paul and the Scriptures are clear. You can't say you have communion with God if you don't have communion with one another. You can't say you belong to God if you too do not belong to the body of Christ. It's why we don't take the Lord's Supper just on our own whenever we want. We come together. And coming together as the family of God, we remember, we participate, we cling to the promises of God, and we do it together. But fourth, we look forward. Yes, tonight is about looking back. But it's also about looking forward. He says in the Lord's Supper, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Martin Lloyd-Jones said there is no value in eating the bread and drinking the cup if we do not do so in faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Faith in the return of Jesus Christ. We call today Good Friday because we know Sunday's coming. We call today Good Friday because we know the risen Jesus is coming again. And I don't know about you, but on this Good Friday, when the world seems to be more out of control than ever, I need the promise and the hope that Jesus is coming again. And we have that hope. Yes, tonight we feel the weight when we leave, but in just a moment as you eat, man, we know Jesus is coming again. And lastly, we examine. Gary's already brought us to this place. But the scripture says in verse 28, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 27 says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Verses 27 through 29 teach us that we should not come to this table flippantly or half-heartedly. We come having examined ourselves. And so tonight, examine yourself. The Lord's Supper is for believers. It is for those who have put their faith and their trust in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper is for believers, but hear me, it's for even weak believers and sinful believers. Maybe tonight, or this afternoon, or last night, the Lord convicted you of sin in your life. 
and you know that you have not been walking with Him in repentance and faith. You feel as though you have let your Lord down, and therefore you might think to eat the bread tonight or to drink the cup would be unworthy. Well, examine your heart then. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin. And when you find yourself to be sinful and in need of mercy, know that you have found it in Jesus. So come confessing, come repenting, and you will find grace. I read this week about a rabbi named Duncan. A Scotsman was on one occasion taking a communion service and was watching what was happening as the elders were taking the elements around. He observed one very distressed woman in the congregation who was weeping abundantly. And as the elements were brought to her, she refused them. As the rabbi saw her first refuse the bread and then the wine, he knew exactly what was happening. The woman was so conscious of her sins that she felt she had no right to partake of the bread and wine. And so the rabbi got up and taking the cup, he went to her and said, Woman, take it, take it. He died for sinners. Tonight you may say, Pastor, I'm a weak sinner. I'm a weak believer. I'm, I'm a believer who has sinned. Listen, if you come confessing your sin, you will find Jesus willing to forgive your sin. So examine your hearts. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you your sin confess that sin, and then eat and drink knowing that God's grace is sufficient. But if you are here and insist on living in your sin, walking in your sin, making excuses for your sin, refusing to repent and seek forgiveness, and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, then please do not eat this bread nor drink this cup if you choose to remain unrepentant. For to do so means you will eat in an unworthy manner. You will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. And Paul says you will drink judgment on yourself. We are here tonight to remember the one who died on the cross to save us from our sins. Sins that we cannot claim the name of Jesus and continue to walk in. Will you repent of your sins tonight? Will you turn from your wicked ways and turn to Jesus? Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come tonight hopeful, believing, repenting. Come to the table and remember. Come and participate, claiming the promises of God. Let us come together, let us look towards Christ, and let us examine ourselves. I'm going to ask our eight deacons who are serving the Lord's Supper tonight to come forward, to sit here.
And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. told his disciples to sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with who were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out? as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me. Day after day, I sat at the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this had taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Luke 22, verse 54. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not.
did not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you, you also are one of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But is my kingdom... My, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Matthew chapter 27, verses 20 through 26. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 22. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And, when they began, and then they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. Let's stand once again as we sing about the cross.
seated. We want to end our service by once again reading Scripture, John 19, 17 through 30. When I'm done reading, there'll be about a minute-long video. When that video is over, <clears throat> that'll bring to conclusion the service. I ask you just leave quietly. You may linger. You may sit there as long as you need to. But when you leave, if you'll just leave quietly, again, we want to feel the weight of what they would have felt on that night. So they took Jesus and he went out, <clears throat> bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him, and with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 